Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't remember ever going to school on any one day where there was never laughter. There was always a giggle. There was always something going on. You know, considering what we've gone through in a, a pandemic, sort of 2020, the kids, you know, to deprive children of that, it, it was enormous. You think every day we went to school, there was a laugh. You, you find a way, don't you? You find a way to just uh, eat, make people feel relaxed and easy. And 99% of the time, I think, it's through humour, through happiness, through joy, bringing a bit of smile into their life. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the worlds of business, sport, and entertainment who are going to share their wisdom and their use of humour with you. Humorology is the study of how humour can dramatically improve your business and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock, and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast is a multi-award winning chef, entertainer and fabulously fun force of nature. After almost three decades as one of the country's favourite TV chefs, he's become something of a national institution. In 2020, he was awarded an MBE by the Queen for his services to broadcasting and the culinary arts. He is mononymous, meaning that like Britney, Beyonce and Bjork, he is one of that rare breed of stars who is identifiable by one name only. Probably still best known for his 21 series of Ready Steady Cook and with many solo primetime cooking series under his belt, he's become a master of the fresh, fun, accessible cuisine. If it's charisma and warmth you're after, with a little bit of laughter, he's the one that you want on your speed dial. Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Humorology Podcast, oh, mate. I love that. Brittany and Bjork. I know. Isn't it amazing that you, are, you can actually uh, you know, be identified with one name, you know what I mean? Just Ainsley. I've never really thought about it much, but people do say Ainsley and they kind of... Uh, think it's me. So, uh, yeah, good, good. I've been uh, looking forward to doing this with you, actually, because, um, you know, I've known you've done loads of other people before. You've been seeing other people behind Yeah, you, you have. <laughs> All these other people doing it. I, I want to buy a 29th. Yeah. No, no, you're the special edition. You're I the know. special edition because we're actually face-to-face, -face, yeah, which yeah. you're the first person on the Humorology podcast to yeah. face-to-face. And the reason for that is... We went to school together. I know. Uh, not that long ago. No, it was, well, it's, it's got to be 15 years. At least. Um, yeah. And we went to school together, and uh, that was... Uh, we went to a good school, didn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we had to, you had to be sent there by a judge. <laughs> um, How many times have I heard that gag? Isn't it lovely? And I love it still, you know. It's just certain things that you want to hear time and time again. It's like a good bit of music that every time you hear it, and you know all the words. It just, just makes you feel good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Well, before our listeners, we went to a big comprehensive school, 2,000 boys. 
With a planetarium. With a planetarium, which, which we weren't allowed in very much because <laughs> it was for other schools. We did have a planetarium, but 2,000 boys. Yeah. And it was, as was described by mutual friends of ours, mm. a zoo, yeah. basically, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, and it was, um, it was 12 classes in each year, streamed, and it was fairly crazy. Was having a sense of humour important to survive? It wasn't important, it was imperative. It was one of those that, you know, um, when you've got that large mix of people, as we all know, I mean, across all boundaries, doesn't matter, you know, different classes of people. Some of them could quite easily have gone to Eton, some of them could quite easily have gone to Borstal. There was that diversity there, it was unbelievable. But what a mix, what an education. Do you know, people talk about what do you go to school for, and you know, just not mixing with just one type of person. You're mixing with everybody, and uh, you know, there was a real integration of cultures and people, and uh, and that was reflected in in teachers too. It was fantastic. You think of Dar, and you know, you think of Cobond and uh, Bacchus. Uh, these were our teachers. These were our so teachers, and how diverse were they in personalities? And that very much reflected on the kids too. And how brilliant were they? Do you remember the guy, I don't even know, I was Mr. Watson, who was just, uh, did nothing but kind of ingrained himself in working things out and was always brilliant at exams. And I remember once he got one of those little, uh, what's those things that you, you, you put your pencil in and you twirl? A, com- a compass, like, a contractor? Yeah, like a compass thing yeah. that you, you draw. And he'd take the pointy bit of the compass and he'd grab a bit of chalk and he'd gradually bore out very gently the top of the chalk and then you'd get a swan match and put it inside the chalk like that and put the chalk perfectly the teacher would come in all right boys sit down sit down doesn't matter whether you know female or male teacher and they pick up the chalk and they board and the fire would shoot out of this chalk and we'd all have to sit there top keeping straight faces like this thinking oh good Genius, absolute genius, that you'd be able to do things like that. And, um, you know, he went on. He's hugely successful in life, hugely successful. Yeah, but he was in one of the lower streams and, and, and actually... He's in my class, Paul, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it was... But it was streamed and actually, but actually it was not indicative of how successful people were going to be because... Absolutely. Because, I mean, laughter was the bonding tool, wasn't it, at school? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you had that laughter and uh, there was just a warmth, you know. There was, I, I don't remember ever going to school on any one day where there was never laughter. There was always a giggle. There was always something going on. And, um, and I think it's, uh, you know, considering what we've gone through in a, a pandemic, sort of 2020, the kids, you know, to deprive children of that. We, it, it was enormous. You think every day we went to school, there was a laugh. Yeah. I mean, there was a bit of fear too when some of those uh, Dixon boys or something like that came after you with a little toffee hammer. You just run like mad, you know. But, um, but the characters again. And, I, uh, and you think about I got on with all of them. I was able to chat with all of them. You, f- you find a way, don't you? You find a way to just uh, eat, make people feel relaxed and easy. And... 99% of the time with me is through humour, through happiness, through joy, bringing a bit of smile into their life. Did you know that at school? Did you know that you were doing it or was it just instinctive? And it was, I mean, we talk about survival and I yeah. mean, that people will always ask us, mm. you know, it can't have been as bad as you said it was, but it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a, a guy was stabbed to death mm. when you were in the third year, I was in the second year. Yeah. Um, it was fairly, well not fairly violent, it was violent. Well people talk about knife crime and stuff like that, you know, or just carrying knives and people did it in those days and uh, as you say 15, well it wasn't, reality it was 50 years ago plus and uh, you know which is uh, uh, extraordinary that you know we're talking um, such a long time ago and that that people would carry on like that. Yeah but 2,000 boys from such mixed backgrounds, in, inevitably, when you put them all together and you shake up that cocktail, there's going to be th- sometimes things that just don't work out, you know? It's not going to come out the way you expect it to come out. And uh, But we were the lucky ones. We were the ones that uh, were able to communicate with, didn't matter where you came from. 
Did, do you think that you've taken that into life? Because, I mean, I remember you were first at school. We first met doing a school play, which was Oliver, actually. Yeah. And, yeah. and, oh, yeah. uh, and I remember your vibrance. Mm. Were you doing... Was that just natural? Did you always have that? Or do you think it developed through having mm. to sort of mix with different kind of people? I think you know me all my life. It is a complete and utterly naturally gifted thing that I've picked up, I've got from my mum or dad, I call it what you want, package it any way you want. It was, uh, I, I was really lucky. I had those, all of those different things that you're talking about and I was able to take them into, well, I've enjoyed them throughout my life, you know, just being able to speak to people and make people feel sort of quite relaxed. Um, and I do remember uh, we had a teacher at uh, Wonderful Boys called John Clegg. Do you remember Clegg? Oh, gosh, and, yes. Oh, fascinating. He had this beautiful sort of streaks of blonde hair, music department too. Yeah. I remember with Burgess. And he Great was, singer. And let's not forget, you know, Wandsworth Boys School was compared to the Vienna Boys Choir. Well, it had the second best choir in mm. the world. And it was the reason it was famous, because mm. these angels with dirty faces, they were called, weren't they? Because these really rough boys sang An like... Angelic voices. <laughs> I don't really want to go there. But it was beautiful. I loved it. I loved, loved the idea of the choir. Loved the idea of Burgess. And uh, Benjamin Britten used to come to our school. That's right. Regularly Sir used Peter to Peter Pears used to wow. come and sing with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was... Uh, you know, it was really quite something, and I think that uh, Cleggy, as they called him, <laughs> Clegg, Clegg with a wooden leg, leg. He didn't have a wooden leg, by the way. But <laughs> terrible the things you say at school. And um, he, he always used to say, "God," he said, "you, you will be successful in life, Harriet." He said, "Look at you. You always make me smile. I could be the, I could be so angry." And he said, "I look at you and I smile." And uh, the first day he started Wonder Boy School was our first day at school too. So he took us in Alpha and, um, you know, built up a fantastic relationship with him. And many years later, I had a few pints with him down at the Gardeners. Yeah, the Gardeners Arms, yeah. a very famous place. Yeah, um, teachers, teachers. Teachers used to buy teachers. us pints. Yes, yes. I know, that was extraordinary. <laughs> You, you mentioned your influences, um, um, your mum and dad, um, Chester and Pepe. Um, they were extraordinary people. Your dad was in show business. Do you think some of that sort of, you know, va-va-voom, that bon... Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, we are a product of our, our people, aren't we? Our parents, you know, they bring us into the world. My mother being an absolute superb cook and wonderful entertainer in, own, in her own way, as far as her family were concerned. Um, and not just immediate family, when she, when she got together with her brothers and sisters and stuff, it was just that there was this laughter, there was energy in the house. You know, my uncle Tim at work walk in the door, he said, Pepe, that smells sweet, girl. And she'd been cooking, you know, and she'd just shut up your mold, she'd say, tell him to shut up, you know. And there was this lovely kind of banter. And that's what you grew up with. You grew up with that energy and it revolved around food. And I think my father probably had the same thing. You know, he was, uh, uh, you know, even though my parents divorced and moved on many years later, they. Um, at those early days, he was around and he loved it. And I used to sit in that front room underneath the table. There was a big bluff and a piano in the corner there. And I'd sit under there and I'd observe and I'd just look up and look at all of his friends and people that were coming. Some of them famous names like Bob Monkhouse and stuff like that would come and sit there. But they were all in show business together. No one was above their station. They all did gigs. That was your career. You know, and they'd all come and they'd hang around there and the different, uh, some of them that hadn't made it big on TV. And my mum would come in with bits of food on the tray. Oh, Pep, that's lovely. You know, and little bits, and a little bit of a little drink going there. She'd make a little punch or a little bit of lemonade or around about Christmas time, there's a bit of eggnog or something like that. Just lovely stuff, you know? And that, all of that combined together as, uh, is part of my makeup. You know, the laughter, the joy, the cooking and everything and the exuberance. Your personality is your personality. You know, my sister and brother are different to me. It doesn't matter. They're the same family, same roots, but we are different. That's why we get <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, we're twins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you mentioned banter, which I think is very important, especially for people to understand that if you're growing up with that banter, 
it comes easier and, and that means you can fit in easier because if you can tease, you can play. Yeah. I think playing is one of those things that you do best, is mm. that you play with people, you will tease, you will mm. banter with them, you'll cajole them. Oh, absolutely. But And I'm not even aware of it. I don't go into, in, it's not like a process you think, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It's If you've got it, if you have that ability to kind of mix with people and make people be at ease, then I think it's one of the absolute key, key things, you know. Um, let's not forget what the great Maya Angelou used to say. She said, people forget what you did. People forget what you said, but people never forget the way you make them feel. And feeling is, you know, it's like you coming out of a fantastic, what do they sing about? I don't know. You know, what, what do they do? Well, they were on a stage about, but I feel fantastic. And it's like for some people, they get that buzz when they go to their church, when they go to their religious kind of gathering or something like that. Some people get it from going to football or rugby. It's, it's why we've been, you know, we've been deprived of that. These gatherings of people energises people. And for me to be an energiser, and not even aware of it, but just to go into a room and like seeing people. I like to see people smile, Ducks. I like to see their teeth. I, and, you know, we've been deprived of that. That's been taken away from us, that covering. And that shows up, because you're revealing more of yourself. All we reveal, generally, is through our eyes now. But can you imagine, when you show them the smile, then the teeth, and then, ah, opening, you're opening yourself up. Each time you're opening yourself up, layer upon layer upon layer, freeing yourself up to talk to those people. I love that, and I miss it. Yeah, well, actually, what that's indicative of is, is attitude, that you go in with a good attitude and a right attitude. And I always think that you go, and I think I've, over the years, I've learned so much from you. Obviously, we've worked on stage for many years, but I've learned so much about going in with an open attitude. And you seem to always go in and think the best of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's... Uh being brought up in um, a household where uh, there obviously was energy, but seeing how my mother adapted, you know, we both come from parents who immigrated or immigrants and they've come to this country, how they integrate. They want to be accepted, let's not forget that. It's one of the reasons, you know, she came here and instantly within weeks, we, we were linked with St. Luke's Church, the local church, Church of England, uh, because it just meant that you become part of a community. You get to know local people. And we weren't the only ones. What was interesting, there was the uh, Vincent and Dino uh, uh, Sal Sal Salafino, um, Mr. and Mrs. Salafino, the uh, Italian family. And there was the, um, the Wong, Auntie G and Uncle Rudy, the Wong family. There was the Greeks, the Scudamore family. There was, uh, um, what's his name, the Khans. You know, they're, they're, I'm talking about a whole cross-section of, of people from different parts of the world that were not necessarily associated with Church of England. They probably came from a d different religious backgrounds. Yeah. But in order just to be able to mix, in order to settle in. To assimilate. Yeah, yeah. And this is what we did. And when your parents bring you up like that, then it is about making people feel comfortable, accepting you. You're not a threat. And I think that's what it is. I, I'm not going to threaten you. I'm, 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 you know, I'm smiling with you. I'm making you feel good. And, you know, some people do have what they talk, talk about, a chip on their shoulder about being aggressive and stuff. I've never had that. It's not because I don't feel tensions and I don't think... It's just that I want people to feel relaxed. And then I start to feel relaxed. And then, you know what? Sooner, sooner or later, we're having a cup of tea and chatting. Well, it's, it's funny because in psychology... Um, they say that um, if you want anyone to go into any state, you have to go into that state first. And I think it's very useful for people to take that away and go, look, somebody who's mastered this attitude, this state, that's what you're doing, is you're going into the state first and you are being relaxed, open thing. And the other thing is that the smile you mentioned. It, you know um, that actually a smile changes the way your circuitry in your brain goes, mm -hmm. makes you feel better. But what it does is it also makes the other person think you're friendly. And so, and it was Victor Borg who said, a smile is the shortest distance between two people. Yeah. 
and how true is that? How true is that? And you know, and it served me worldwide. All the places that uh, this is from the early '90s of traveling globally, making all these programs, meeting fascinating people that speak a completely different language. But hey, the smile and the food is universal. It just brings people together. You're sharing. It's almost like the, the you know the breaking of the bread. The, you know, uh, sipping the wine, sharing the same vessel and stuff like that. All those things, you know, that's, that's how, how people come together. That's how you unite people. And, you know, we found that way. Um, and it's, it's down to our family, down to our people. You know, found a way to bond people and to smile and make people feel, people feel happy. Happy. Well, but that's a gift, isn't it? I mean, as well. But I, I mean, it's nice that you actually recognise it's a gift. I'm interested in what you said about travelling because you really have made television programmes mm. all over the yeah. world. Yeah, oh, I'm and, still doing it. Yeah, you know? yeah and still <laughs> Thank doing you, God. it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. but actually, true communication happens at many different levels because people think that it, 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 the communication is what you say. I don't speak the same language. But you've just talked about the international language of the smile, yeah. haven't you? And, 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 and of food. Yeah. Oh, God, absolutely. I remember being in uh, South Africa and uh, Podanoska, I think it's Podanoska Beach, and these fishermen, um, some of them lost all their teeth, uh, really interesting, dark sort of crimply skin some of them had and uh, uh, they'd been out fishing, they bought back and I cooked this amazing tuna which most of it they export anyway because it's not very fashionable down there. They export it back to Japan and stuff like that. But I cooked it for them on the beach and uh, the language, not only had they not probably grasped their, 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 the native language but they just had their own personal language. It's really interesting, and because uh, I, I remember the, uh, speaking with someone, they said, what are they talking about? I said, I have no idea. They have their own kind of you know, tribal language, and I was on the beach with these people, yet we were able to sit down and enjoy each other's company for half an hour, eating this bit of fish and dipping it. You know, I had these kind of bits of sweet potato that I char-grilled off and seeded them up with bits of cumin and spice and stuff. And we were just enjoying it. And they're really getting into it, talking to me and trying to explain things through hands, eyes and teeth. You know, because yeah. that says so, so much. You're absolutely right. So, so I mean, you've travelled everywhere and made all these programmes. Have you, have you ever had any problem ever not being able to connect with people when you're not really I think that people are a little bit cautious because of the nature of the world that we live in people don't open up straight away I think with uh, you know all you've got to do is switch on your news and you know see what's happening globally and uh, you know there's someone because someone doesn't dress right or they're the wrong color or they live on the wrong side of the street you're slightly a little bit cautious but I don't I don't approach people in that way you know I've, just, I've been in uh, Jordan for instance recently I was filming down there for a series I did called Mediterranean Kitchen and you know and I went into the the house with these women these two women the mother was there um, slightly more covered than the daughter but I sat down and they invite you into the house and they introduce you to their their culture their food and we made date molasses so we took the stone out of the date and we got piles and piles of stones down here piles of dates that we had to sort of separate and put them into a pile and then it went into a pot and we made this fantastic date molasses but what blew me away is i'm chatting there with with the, the mother and everything and she was very reserved because you know, because of her culture but within a minute and a half of us there, she's smiling with me and joking with her daughter. Who is this man? She said, who is making me smile like this? Talking with her daughter, and her daughter spoke perfect English. And then she was saying, afterwards we take the stones and we dry them in the sun or we bake them and we make coffee out of the date stones. And I was just like, wow, here comes the coffee, you know. And to, oh, just the special moments that, um, that, arrive in your life where you think not that you still got it but that it's the, the world is a safe place the world is still a happy place in a way because people are bit cameras can you imagine having cameras come into your home and everything else we all a little bit like this you know if someone holds your, your your phone up to your taser camera everyone goes oh am i all right now even though we're a lot more relaxed than say our parents were 
who were absolutely petrified of cameras, you know? It's a different generation we are now. Now everyone's taking photographs of everything. <laughs> they are, aren't they? And sharing, of course. Um, but to be in that room, that kitchen, with those people um, in the modern era and think that, you know, one minute I'm going in there thinking, uh, are they going to allow me to be who I am and everything else? But you don't even have to think about it because the smile, the communication, the energy that you give off, and the way they picked up on it, it was just so special. And it just, just kind of think, yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, we are, we're, we're human beings. We are human beings. Doesn't matter what religion where you come from we're human beings you know we should be able to communicate with each other feel comfortable with one another well i, I think you used a really interesting word which is energy mm. and the, the having that good energy mm. i mean that translates to everyone i mean we, you and i uh, for our listeners who don't know we used to do a double act for many years called the calypso twins uh look it up on youtube folks yeah. uh, uh, look around us <laughs> See and your people, people everybody there sitting all together. together. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> um, both wondering what the hell we're going to do. I know, uh, I know. Um, God, I'm, I'm now singing it all in my head with all those years. Don't need to worry, you're leaving a hole. <laughs> Just clap your hands. <laughs> Stamp your feet. Feel your, your body moving with the beat because mm. well, here, here we are again. Oh, oh. We can't sing and we don't, don't really know why. Can live some time again. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'll have to pay. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, we'll get some PRS out yeah, of it. Right there, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Um, oh no, it, just makes, it, it makes me smile and it makes me tear up because of the joy. But actually, you've touched on it, but the energy, um, the, all the comedians, we used to work the comedy store, we worked in America, we worked jonglers, all those places, and all the comedians... 30,000 feet in the air. 30,000 feet in the air, we're on virgin flights, yeah. And we worked everywhere. And it was all about the energy. I mean, I don't think we had the best material in the world. Mm. Um, and I'm being quite honest. But yeah. what we did is we had good energy. And that was led by you. Mm. You would come out and, and you would just see an audience change. And I, I, I talk about, I don't think I've ever said this to you um, properly, but because of the nature of the act, mm. you used to go out first and I used to follow and be very still and very quiet mm. while you went. And I used to just marvel at how that the audience just used to fall in love with you. Mm. Mm. And that, that's a gift and everything. And 
I think now we're actually analysing, and now I'm a psychologist and we're analysing it, it's because it's all genuine. Mm -hmm. And you're, it's coming from a heartfelt place yeah. where you're just going, I'm going to give you good energy mm -hmm. and, and, and give it back. And you know what? And you're so right because that opening sequence didn't know what we're going to do. You know, you'd be pacing up and down in the background thinking, now oh, you've got to do this, mate, you've got to do that. So I don't know till I get out there, till I see the people. Isn't that interesting? You see the people, you connect with them, the eyes, the feeling, the vibration, and everything else. And then it happens. Up until that point, you don't know. You just don't know. It's a bit like Billy Connolly, you know, when he used to walk out there, you don't know. Every night is going to be different. It's, it's instinctive, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. But actually, I think there's a very special um, ability to turn off the conscious mind and just trust the unconscious. And it's a trust exercise, isn't it? Where you just go, it's, I'm going to go into this with all good intent, all good love in my heart, all good. And, and then uh, I'm going to instinctively play off whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm unpacking it really, but, yeah. Yeah. but I think that's mm. what's happening. And I think that's what the, the people who do it really well do it, and it, I mean, for our listeners to take away, you know, it isn't about going, when you go for a job interview, going, okay, I must, uh, you know, do these things, say these things. Look at the person that's interviewing you. Pick up the vibe, pick up the energy, and, you know, we're all so, so different, and, uh, you know, uh, liken it to football. Every Mourinho, Wenger, Alex Ferguson for our generation, all different, all different types of people. Same thing, all aiming for the same thing, but different. So how, how, would you, how would you approach them? How would you speak to them? You know that you walked in and you spoke with Arsene Wenger and you started talking about philosophy. You'd probably play centre-forward the next day. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also what the great managers do, and you know, a lot of people will be managers in their companies who are listening to this, or leaders and CEOs or whatever. The, what the great managers do is they are great listeners, aren't they? I mean, I'm talking about listening with the eyes and going, yes, some yeah. people need a kick up the bum, some mm. people need an arm round the mm. shoulder. Mm. And that's mm. trusting instincts, isn't mm. it? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it is. It's, um, it's hard. I think the, uh, th that's why to be able to recognise that at quite a young age, to have that ability at a young age is something else. Because we all eventually get there at some point in life. We are, often you get to a point and you reflect and you look back and, God, I wish I knew what I knew, what, what I know now I knew then and all that type of stuff. We're forever beating ourselves up about, I wish I had that experience, I wish I had that, that vision then. But um, it's just important to trust your instincts, trust who you are, trust what you're, you what you're about, you know, as a person. I have a, a, a friend and, um, who was in advertising many years ago, and I think they had, it's either Pepsi or Coca-Cola, a big account, a real big, big account. And I said, how do you make decisions? What, what, what do you do? And he says, he said, it's just what feels right. He said, it just feels right. He said, and luckily he was able to survive 10 years in a job of making, decisions based on how you felt it felt right and I think you have to trust yourself quite often we're looking at others all the time what do you think what do you think what do you think what do you think can I ask 20 people their opinions it's about how what what you have to make that decision and stick by it and feel good about it because it's your years of experience remember that lovely Picasso thing um, that that when he was being interviewed in America and the guy said okay you know he's got paintings worth millions of pounds and stuff like that and <clears throat> he's being interviewed. He gave Picasso this pad. He said, draw me something. And, you know, handed it back to him. It took him like a, a minute to do it. And he said, and uh, how much do you think I could sell this for? And he said, I don't know, you know 40, 50,000 pounds or something like that. He said, what? But it only took you less than a minute to do it. He said, yes, but there's 60 years experience in there. And <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? And it's sometimes... Little things like that, that is what you're buying into. It's your experience of what you feels right. And if it feels good, bang. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Well, I, I do think it's that experience of like when you're on stage, um, you know, now doing the cooking shows mm. and live work and, 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 and things, that experience really comes to play. Now, all the years of, you know, working the 
comedy store yeah. and, and, and doing that comes into play. But it's the experience of actually knowing instinctively how to connect, isn't I'll it? I'll tell you how valuable that is. I remember that I first did Good Morning Anna and Nick all those years ago and uh, one of my first live TV experiences and Anne Diamond and Nick were in the kitchen with me. They came over, they walked over. I was shaking like a leaf. I'd heated up my pans and everything else. Everything was ready to go. And of course, Anne comes over, what are you cooking here? And grabs hold of the pan, ouch! Burnt her hand. Well, I thought that was it. I thought my career was over. I couldn't believe it. I'd burnt Anne, probably the most recognizable top presenter at the time in Britain. You know, uh, everybody loved Anne Diamond. She was just like, ah. Oh. And I thought that was it, my career was over. And it was only the beginning of things, but I tell you what, it, it just taught me one or two things about how, how to prepare and how to get organised. I didn't get sacked, otherwise I wouldn't be here now <laughs> talking to you. But you know what? I walk into a kitchen now, don't even blink, don't even think about it. Walk into a studio, I should say. I don't, I don't, I, as long as we plan, that's there, that's there, that's there, yeah, get on with it. And we just take it for granted. It's one of the easiest things in the world. Yet, it's one of the most difficult things in the world. If you haven't done it, so experience is everything. Giving yourself, you know, being, being calm enough, um, taking a bit of stuff on board. Did you want us? No, no. Just being calm enough and stuff like that. So, yeah, those, those things that, how you used to panic in the old days and how you do it now. And we all feel that. Everybody who is in business now, you know, they're just a lot, lot more comfortable. Um, thing that I find a little bit surprising now is how we expect to, instead of looking at people instinctively and looking at what they can bring, the charm and everything else, we tend to look at their business, we tend to look at what they've achieved in life. And I met a guy the other day and he said, I didn't leave school with any O levels or anything else. I'm in charge senior director or whatever, CEO of my company, and I won't employ anybody now unless they've got a degree. And it was, and I said, well, why is that? And, you know, it was, it angered me in a way because I kept thinking, you know, all you're looking for is the success of your company and what these people can bring instead of looking for people and what they can bring to your company and what they're going to do for you, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's so important that we... We identified with that. Certainly when I was a ki in the kitchens and people would come for an interview, it wasn't the fact that they'd worked at the, the, the best restaurants or the, uh, the, 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 the finest hotels. I, I, wanted to, I, want, I was interviewing that person. I wanted to see what they could bring. When they came, to, of course they needed the experience. They wouldn't be there unless you know, they were looking for a trainee position or something like that. Well, I, I think, because as you know, I work with training big organizations out in the world and I won't name the organization but it was an organization a very big organization I worked with who said that um, we only employ people with a first-class degree from a first-class university because we can get the best and I'm like well hold on you want salespeople because 60% of them were sales and then and they go what well, that's what we bring you in for is you can teach them that. And I go, why not employ natural salespeople, the kind of people we went to school with, who had that natural nous And hunger. And hunger, and mm. ability with mm. people mm. to do it. And so they would employ me to teach people with no natural instinct or ability to teach people, or to connect they with Had a first-class degree. They had a first-class degree. And I said to them at one stage, and maybe you'll like this analogy, I said, that's like being the Arsenal manager and saying, um, we're only going to look for players who went to Oxford, Cambridge or Harvard. Mm. And you go, well, that's madness, isn't it? I know, I know, I know, I know. And then you go, oh no, but we want the best players. We want the real thinkers mm -hmm. to go, well, it, it's... And I think that's uh, a shame that everything, and you brought it up, uh, a shame, and I think people in business can learn that there's all this untapped, amazing sort of talent out there if you'll only develop a pipeline. Probably, and probably when you start looking at stuff like people like that, they've uh, been fortuitous. They've 
probably have a little bit of money, their parents or their parents have worked exceptionally hard to put them through private school, to put them through uni in order to have, you know, for them to get where they, they're going to. It doesn't necessarily mean they've got the, you know, the right values and stuff like that. I'm not knocking them, many of them have, but some of them have had the silver spoon in the mouth for so long that, you know, they, they want it a little bit easier instead of those that are really hungry and passionate that want to learn. And that in itself is the skill. That skill, that ability to interview someone, see the hunger, see the, the joy that they, uh, of them wanting to come and work in your industry and, uh, and really passionate about it. And you know, oh, I used to cook with me mum, I did this, you know. So a guy hasn't even been to catering school, but some of them, they just say, oh yeah, and I cook with me mates. And I start, they're interested, they're the interesting ones. They're the ones that want to develop. They're the ones that perhaps are one day open up their own business and have their own ideas of how things work and how things blend and how things come together. These are the real values that you look for in life. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's people like us, I suppose, who um, are, are out there and ha can affect the next generation. Hopefully, please, I don't know. And uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, pedagogy which is one of the funniest words I think is pedagogy. You don't quite know what it means, but it means about uh, what's your pedagogy? And someone said it to me one day and I thought, what are they going on about? You know, I thought it was a bit cheeky, but in fact, it's what's your style? What, what, how do you do things? What's your pedagogy? How, how do, what do you bring to the table? You know, how, do you, how are you going to influence me? And I just thought, wow, that is fantastic because it's something you never forget and you, you, you there want to share even more. You want to share your passion more yeah. because someone's addressed it, said, this is why I'm passionate. Because sometimes we're never asked, why are we passionate, you know? Well, I think the passion is the main thing. I always think it's the first thing you should look for when you're, when you're employing anyone. Are they passionate? You know, because passion sells. Mm. And if you want to, and the reason you're successful is because you are passionate about food, you're mm. passionate about people, you're passionate mm. about life. That's what's, uh, what's selling. And, um, and also, the funny thing is that the camera doesn't lie. Yeah. Yeah. The camera can actually feel yeah. the, the, the thing. You're going walking into people's living rooms all the time. Mm. I mean, it's the same as walking into somebody's living room. But the, the honesty, yeah. the, the, the yeah. truth behind that, <clears throat> is what's really important. We often say that. We often say that uh, about, you know, TV, why people, um, you know, feel so comfortable quite often, why, why they get excited when they meet you. They've invited you into their home through the screen and they're sitting down there enjoying you in their comfort of their space. So you're like one of them. You're in their, you're in their space with them. But you have to be authentic. And oh, God, yeah, that, they that, see through it. It's like, it's like watching EastEnders and a, a bad actor or someone comes along. You think, yeah. get, get them off. Yeah. You can't believe them, you know. Now we've reached a part of the show uh, called Quick Fire Questions. Ooh. Do you like the jingle? Quick Fire Questions! Uh, the jingle was by uh, Spike Edney of Queen and produced by Steve Hayworth, I, old mate. Good jingle, isn't Lovely. it? Lovely. Oh, love a bit of that. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quick fire questions. Who's the funniest business person that you've met? Ah, well, that's an easy one. That's probably my agent, Jerry. And uh, I think it's... Jeremy Jer Hicks. Jeremy Hicks, the most wonderful sense of humour. I, I sometimes get on the phone to Jeremy at, you know, at six o'clock in the evening, and at nine o'clock we're still talking. It's just unbelievable. If we've got the time... We, or we certainly make the time, and I, I think that's one thing I love about the person is just that, especially in the past year, it's, um, it's that you, could, you feel relaxed talking, you don't even notice the time, you have no idea how long you're talking to someone because it just flows, but it's just funny. He is funny. funny. He yeah. is, uh, well, I've known Jerry for 35 years as well, yeah. and, and uh, he is one of those people who's got an encyclopedic mind oh, for comedy, hasn't wonderful. he? And, 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 and he loves the old shtick as well, you know, and, and lines and doing beautiful things. Beautiful banter, absolutely beautiful. And he's, uh, he's just a really lovely man and a good friend, but um, humour is right up there. You know, he's been connected with it for a long, long time. And, um, you know, we've travelled all over the world together doing various things and, uh, 
you know, we still find things to laugh about and we have a history of laughter. And when you have a history of laughter, you're never, you're never, you're never hungry. It's always there. Do you want to tell the, the story about when you have breakfast with him? Oh, breakfast is a, breakfast is a revelation when you, when you go for breakfast with Jeremy. He's just kind of, you know, he always reminds you it's the only meal of the day where everything goes back to front. And I'd say, what do you mean by that? He said, well, normally when you have your lunch and your dinner, you have your starter, your main course and your pudding. He said, with breakfast, you have your pudding first, you have your cereal or your yoghurt or your fruit. And it's so true. It's just the only time. And then you go on to your bacon and eggs and everything else. But it's uh, my, my, the loveliest moment, the most joyous moment is when he orders his toast. Because on his phone, he has a picture of the toast exactly the way he likes it. He likes almost black. I mean, I'm talking about, he could probably show that side of the phone actually, because he says to whoever's doing the waitressing or waitering, he said, that's how I want my toast. Because you say to them, well done, they invariably come back with it kind of bit brown around the edge, still white in the middle. He wants it black. And I think it's so fun. It's, and it works, it's perfect because people know exactly what they're dealing with. He said, that's how I like it. And even though you're bowing your head, in a way you think, I wish I had the balls to do that. <laughs> he is a funny man. What book makes you laugh? Uh, books, uh, oh, Green Eggs and Am. <laughs> oh, Dr. Zeus. <laughs> Dr. Zeus. Brilliant. I think, uh, uh, and I kept it, you know, and I probably got it there in the, in the library at night kept it there and the children have read it and uh, every time I read it just just I love the face I love the animation I just everything about it it's uh yeah so it's a brilliant book and brilliant choice what film makes you laugh Ains? Ooh, a bit of Charles Grogan and uh Grosen and Robert De Niro Midnight Run oh, Midnight Gordon. Run is an absolute classic I love it uh it's uh it's just one of those films that uh, every time it pops up on TV and I watch it again, I sit down there just giggling like a little kid, like I'm watching The Incredibles, which also makes me laugh. And uh, this is Doubtfire. I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to stick with Midnight Run because yeah. uh, I saw it the other night and I laughed out. I, I laughed for a long time. Anyway. Now, taking a shift to the other side, a bit more serious, is what's not funny? What's not funny? Any, any form of abuse, especially with chil where children are concerned, that makes my blood boil. I can't stand that. I can't begin to think why anybody would... Any, I'm just, just that. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I don't like stuff like that. I'm, um, um, you know, anger. Uh, I can understand screaming and shouting. I think we all get to the end of our tether and you just want to give out a little bit. But... Uh, violence and especially where children are concerned in any way then uh, no. Nah. So would you rather be considered clever or funny? A bit of both I think. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've never been, you know, academia was never my forty at school and I, I can't deny that but I'm, I'm so rich in other areas of my life and so experienced and I've got so much to offer in other areas that um, I think the uh, funny side of things, it's not always there, you know. I remember they used to talk to Lenny Henry and everyone expects you to be laughing, him and Dawn, when he was married to Dawn, to be laughing every second of the day. Well, it doesn't happen like that. That's not life. But uh, the, the truth of the matter is that um, I think that if you are, uh, if you are a f naturally a funny person, I think that just comes across and, uh, um, and the clever this is getting your timing right when you're telling a gig, a, a, sorry, a gag. <laughs> <laughs> the final question on the Humorology podcast is desert island gags. <gasps> you can only take one gag to a desert island. What is it? I've been telling this gag for 20 years, maybe more. Maybe I heard it 20 years ago and it's, it's been around forever. But it's about the old boy who wants a pair of cowboy boots. He's 80 years old and eventually 
builds up his confidence to go and buy himself a pair of cowboy boots. He puts them on, he says, oh, these are absolutely great. You know, they look the business. And he goes home, and his 78-year-old wife's there, out in the kitchen. He walks in the kitchen, he says, Ethel? He says, do you notice anything different? So she turns around, she looks at him, she says, no. He says, so he goes upstairs, he takes off all the clothes and all he keeps on is the cowboy boots. And he goes back downstairs and he walks into the kitchen and says, Ethel, do you notice anything different now? She turns around and she went, no. He says, look properly. She goes, well, it was hanging down yesterday. It's hanging down today and it will probably be hanging down tomorrow. He said, the reason it's hanging down, he said, is because it's looking at my new cowboy boot. And she said, you should have bought a bleeding that. Beautiful gag, beautifully delivered. It's been a beautiful interview. Thanks, Thank you, Harriet. Thank you so much. <laughs> Where's your hat? <laughs> oh, let's cook something. The Humorology podcast was hosted by Paul Barros and produced by Simon Banks. Music by Steve Hayward, creative direction by Les Hughes, and additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.